1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Thank you for being along with us as we go to Adam's house and start rummaging for snacks and also looking at what the media looks like this week. Yeah, and we have more media than snacks, so just to you know, temper expectations. Okay. All right. Oh, cool. Not even Christmas cookies this time. <laughs> no, my kids ate them all. Oh, okay. Well, hey, I want to talk to you about a musical that's out and it's the retelling of an old story. It's the Prince of yeah. Egypt. Yeah, the Prince of Egypt. And this is like, you know, as we say today, it's kind of meta, right? Mm-hmm. And meta is when something reflects on culture. Back in 1998, which... I just saw an article this morning, 25 years. I hadn't done the math. Like, holy cow. As if my my knees didn't tell me this morning when I got up that I was old. <laughs> my, 25 years since that movie came out. There was an animated movie by DreamWorks. It was one of their earlier movies. Really remarkable, creative, retelling, reimagining of the story of Moses that mostly sticks to the biblical narrative. I mean, a few little ways it maybe wanders off the path a little bit. So this is a musical stage play production that's been happening. And sort of like we've seen with Sight and Sound Theaters, although this is not a Sight and Sound production, they filmed it and now it's been released as a movie and it's streaming. So it's kind of, it went started as a movie, became a stage play, and now it's a movie again. And I think that if you are familiar with the movie, there aren't any huge things that are going to be massive red flags here you know, when there's violence, because there's some violence in Moses' story, we see, you know, red ribbons representing blood. I mean, there's that sort of imaginative, staged presentation of those sorts of things. Um, I will say this particular iteration maybe focuses a little bit more on Moses' relationship with his brothers, Ramses, and with his father. And so it seems perhaps a little bit less about his role as the leader of the Hebrews and a little bit more about that, that brotherly connection. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's not a bad thing, but that may not be what you think of when you think about Moses and, and his story. And obviously they don't take any massive licenses with the story, but they're, they are imaginatively filling in some of those details. And some people like having their imagination stirred up of what that might've been like. Other people may watch a movie like that and think, well, the Bible doesn't say that, mm-hmm. you know, and and you kind of know where you're at on the spectrum. So that should 
shape your expectations going into it. Okay, so um, Adam, let me just ask you this, because you know I love stage productions, and, mm-hmm. and when they take an animated feature and then turn it into stage production, they do some really new things that, that really yeah. help enhance the performance. But then when they turn it back into digital, I'm just wondering, after watching it, does it lose some of that in translation? You know, I think it's tricky, and I don't know that there's a right answer to that question. Um, I would say that there's something magical about being in a room and watching people on stage mm-hmm. that you're never going to replicate that with a movie. And the flip side is you can have cameras on stage from angles you wouldn't see it because when you're watching a movie in a theater, or excuse me, when you're watching a stage production in a theater, you only have that one perspective, mm-hmm. right? So you do get the benefit here of different shots, different perspectives, going back out, zooming in. Um, and that makes it feel more like a movie. Uh, and again, I think you probably kind of know, I love stage productions, and so a movie version is going to be cool, or eh, it's not my thing. If it's not your thing, maybe just go watch the original again. You know. Sure. But either way, I think there's a great conversation to be had. Yeah. Okay, and I just wanted to chime in. I have seen part of it already, and I yeah. am loving it. I'm kind of in the middle of the story, and I what you t- said about um, they're emphasizing different things in this gives it more nuance. You know, the relationship that Moses had yeah, with his with his adoptive family. I I found that very interesting, but I'm looking at that uh-huh. as story. It's not necessarily right. in the Bible. It's just story, and it and it gives you different things to reflect on, a different angle to even view this story from and i love that i also love the creative ways they're using the actors to um to to display the river nile and the desert that's very interesting as well well and i think that's part of the joy and the beauty of of stage is how much can you do like you know i think like the lion king production and how they have the little i don't even know what you call them but the animals represented on basically on a stick and you Uh. think about it like well that seems like it would be crazy and yet it was amazing Mm -hmm. visually and so i think it forces the creative imagination in a different way because you're like how can we represent this visually in an engaging way so that's part of the fun of it okay so if that's something that interests you it's streaming and where can they find it what what platform is it is it on a platform it is. I think it's on a whole bunch of platforms. I believe it's on Amazon. I believe it's on YouTube. Uh, I think if you just do a search on Prince of Egypt, the musical streaming, you'll find multiple ways that you can watch that. You're hearing from Adam Holtz of Plugged In Movie Reviews. And Adam, thanks so much for being with us and for giving us the heads up on what's happening in the media world. There's an interesting um uh, I think, I don't know, story or, or, or a series out called The Boy and the Heron. Tell us about that. Yeah, The Boy and the Heron is the latest animated anime movie from acclaimed Japanese director Hayao Miyazaki, who has been really hailed as one of the founders of the genre. He's been around a long time. He did uh, Princess Monoki and... Um, he did Spirited Away. Those are titles you may remember um, the names of. And if you're not familiar with it, anime is a particular animated genre that has some distinctive characteristics. Characters usually have very large and expressive eyes. It's a very simplistic um, expression of animation. And so it's the frame rate is lower. Sometimes they'll have still, you know, still images that they'll zoom in on. 
if you ever saw Speed Racer as a kid, and I'm dating myself, Speed Racer was one of the very first expressions of what would come to be known as anime. Yeah, the best cartoon uh, th- series ever, Adam. Ever. It was. In, it no, I'm with you, man. Uh, Speed Racer, it changed my life when I was four. So, <laughs> just take take a moment. Okay, now that the moment's over, we'll keep moving. Um, so this is a story about a boy named Mahito Maki. It's World War II in Japan. His mother has been killed in warfare, and, and he has nightmares about her dying in the flames. And, and that that's a, a characteristic of anime, is that there are these sort of dark, emotional, intense moments. His dad has moved him out to the countryside. His dad is quite rich. They have... Uh, basically a compound out in the country. Um, And it is a place that is called Gray Heron Mansion. And for a reason, there is a magical gray heron there who connects with Mahito and says, come with me, leads him to a tower. There's a secret sort of mystical, magical portal into this spiritual realm. and, And the gray heron promises to help him reconnect with his deceased mother, I won't say whether that actually comes to fruition or not, but what follows is an absolutely surreal, at times really hard to follow adventure that this boy and this heron creature, and you find out he's not really quite a heron, um, encounter together. And so incredibly imaginative, some poignant moments um the boy himself is kind of a little pill uh he's kind of (laughs) self-centered now we certainly have sympathy for what's happened to him um but he's not a particularly likable character and neither is is the heron and so you know if you're expecting a dreamworks kind of presentation this ain't that Mm. and and frankly even though it's animated i don't think it's not a movie that kids are like younger kids i think are going to connect with anime is a thoughtful kind of intellectual genre. So I think if you're an adult fan of Hayao Miyazaki's work, you'll probably say like everybody on Rotten Tomatoes is saying, this is a masterpiece. This is his magnum opus. This is, I guess it like 97 or 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And if you're a normal person who doesn't know much about anime and you take your kids, you might be like, "Mm, not sure what's going on here. And there's a lot of hinky magical stuff. So, okay. You know, those are your perspectives on that. Okay. Well, Adam, let mm. me ask you this. You had talked about the uh, the lead character kind of being a pill, and sometimes th- that works. But let me ask this about the storyline here, because one of the I, I here's my pet peeve is when they give us a story like that about a character that's a pill. If they write like a preamble that gets us to have compassion for that kid, it's mm. okay. But sometimes they just jump right past it and go right in, and you meet this kid and. I don't care what happens to them because I don't like this character. Mm. Do they take the moment to set it up so that we have compassion for this character? Yeah, no, I I think so. Um, And and I think that, um, again, there are just, there are times you encounter a story and you think, wow, this is really different. And Mm. Miyazaki just has a different storytelling perspective. So I I think, yeah, I think you can uh, relate to him. And it actually is, allegedly uh, or reportedly i won't say allegedly we use that with criminals reportedly semi-autobiographical so it is related to to his own sense of who he is um but uh you know our our reviewer bob who's called it a heavy lift Uh, i'm just looking at his review 
Um, he says, every time one symbolically structured story block slips into place, the cinematic table shifts and the whole perception tower tumbles down. Hmm. So uh, again, this is a this is a pretty surreal story. That might be the best word for it. And you kind of know, it's kind of like musicals, you know? Do you like really weird kind of offbeat animation? You'll probably love this. If you're a little more concrete and, you know, Tom and Jerry is more your bag, this isn't going to do it for you. And I, I'm obviously I'm speaking in <laughs> really crude generalities there, but sure. um, that, that would be what I would say about it. I, I kind of enjoy anime and I kind of don't get it all at the same time. So I would put myself somewhere right in the middle.